All right. Uh, my name is Aaron Rhodes, and you are listening to the Shuttlecock Podcast. We're sponsored by the Vinyl Underground at Seventh Heaven, offering new and used vinyl at 76 and Troost in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, today on the show, we have Lance Rutledge. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's a Saturday, and it's super chill. It is. Yeah. Just having a, a little a little rainy Saturday afternoon here. Very Kind of the comfy, the perfect time for <clears throat> lo-fi, chill, hip-hop beats to study to. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I guess we could kind of just start at the beginning. You... Were, were you born in, or did you just grow up in Nicaragua? Yes, I was born there. Mm-hmm. My folks are missionaries down there. Um, so I left there at 18. I lived in Norway for a second, in India for an even tinier second, and kind of up north in Minnesota while I was still trying to figure out what I was going to do. For a second, I thought I was going to study like um, fine art and concept art. I wanted to be like designing the next Halo video game or whatever, but... I went for music instead, and so I ended up in Missouri. So that was in, like, 2014 when I moved here. Mm-hmm. So what was, like, just growing up in Nicaragua, like, as far as, like, kind of music and culture and stuff like that? Music and culture, um, a lot of just Latino music and reggaeton, so, or reggaeton, however you want to pronounce it. Um, <clears throat> so uh, there's, like songs that I remember like as a kid that it's super fun to like go back and listen to. Um, and then, but when I first started getting into music, cause I grew up like every Sunday in church. And so it's like, you know, hymns and stuff. Um, and just, you know, worship songs. But at one point I remember the first moment that I realized, wow, there's such a thing called music and here's a band was my dad like played Petra for me once, which is like just the most classic, like dad rock, Christian rock kind of band. Uh, but I heard that and it was like rock music and I liked it. Um, and from there, like the next couple artists that I got into, there were a couple just Latin rock artists, one band from Argentina, Rescate, and another just kind of Latin I guess fusion folk rockish kind of project uh, headed up by this guy Alex Campos, but yeah, those were like I guess the first you know three bands that I was like actually into. It's like okay, I have my own CD, I get to like play it in my sister's boombox that I can like borrow sometimes, and really like know all the words, you know. And what did you, did you have any experiences with like live music when you were? Yeah, there? actually, I did. So, being the son of a pastor, and um, so it's just guaranteed that at some point <laughs> you're gonna be on stage. So the only musical like training that I have ever had in my life has been on the Congo drums. So like the two big ass like hand drums that you just like tap. And so I'd play in the church band on those. Um, and like the youth group kind of had like a band as well. But eventually everyone discovered alt rock and just more stuff like that. And there is no place at all in alt rock for that. And so I kind of stopped playing. Um, but then eventually we moved like cities and started a much like smaller church. And I was like leading worship for that for the longest time where I would just sing. Um, 
But yeah, those are pretty much the only experiences of live music that I had like before I left home. Yeah, so before you were even like going to like see music, you were kind of in the church playing yeah. music. Um, I guess the first show that I was ever at and it's like pretty DIY like looking back was there are a couple bands that came down from I believe like Mexico and Honduras um and there were like these like thrash heavy metal one was like thrash and the other one was like heavy metal or might have just been like hard rock I don't remember I was I must have been such a little kid I don't know how old I was but I remember like you know people wearing all black and like boots and you know black wristbands and edgy music it was all like pretty unique and like kind of fun i didn't appreciate how much fun and you know just in general angsty being edgy is until i like hit my teenage years but that was probably my first show and then like a couple like kind of arena shows and stuff oh yeah i whenever i like do see like pictures or footage or whatever of like Mexican like metal bands and stuff like that. It's always just like the craziest stuff. Yeah. You've ever seen. What was that? What's that one picture? I forget the band. I've been told before who it is, but I saw the picture before I even knew who the band was. <clears throat> where there's just a goat. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I don't remember. Like, was that supposed to be in Mexico somewhere or it was? Like some, it's like some Latin some, or South yeah. American like band. Yeah. And I know the band and I've listened to them before, and I had no idea that that was them. Yeah, but. That picture's yeah. If you if you know what band was playing in the the goat DIY show photo, please. I'm sure Kennedy does. Tell us. <laughs> um. So yeah, once once you're 18, you move away yeah. from Nicaragua, and you yep. you say you went to Norway. Yeah. So just being raised overseas, and especially in a third world country, it's such a you know just different experience. I was homeschooled. Um very white as you can see and you know just very like conservative parents and so my parents kind of just in general all the kids because I have seven siblings it's kind of like just a thing that that we all do now is we will kind of work with this organization called YWAM it's a Christian organization uh they're pretty chill though but they have like these bases all around everywhere and it's yeah, it's kind of like just a, a boot camp. You can volunteer and stuff. You There's usually like a period of like a month or a couple weeks where you like go overseas and like help people out doing random stuff, building houses, like just different projects. So I went for two months or it might have been just like a month and a half in India. Um, so that's why I was in Norway. It was a creative DTS. So it was a lot like three months longer than the normal ones were because I had this creative input in it. And that's what, like why I wanted to go to it. I didn't want to go to like a normal one. I knew that I was trying to be like some kind of artist in some kind of way. Mm. And that's also where I kind of realized that I would like to pursue music uh, versus like art or physical art, I guess. Mm. What, What were you doing as a part of that role? I was enrolled in their fine art track, and so just painting. Uh, We worked with a lot of different mediums. It was a really fun community there because they were just, yeah, do whatever. Like uh, for one of my projects, I basically just painted a giant-ass, like, piece of plywood. I'd never done or, like, worked with, like, spray paint before, but I was like, I would like to try this. And that's what they were all about is, like, hey, get out of, like, work with different mediums. 
because uh, before that, I was doing some drawing, some painting, a lot of sculpture. That's what I really liked, like a lot of like tiny little figurines. Um, so that's what I was doing there. But they had like a tiny little studio that <clears throat> was there for the music track. And I asked the people running the place and they were like, yeah, just like have someone like go over things and you can mess with it all you want. Because I had been writing, you know, just songs on an acoustic guitar for since I was like 17 or 18. I had taken guitar classes. Um, I guess I did get some professional classes. So cancel what I said before about congas being the only one. I took guitar classes for like maybe three months. Mm. Uh, my little brother was better than me at learning. And so I was like, screw this. I want to <laughs> learn drums. There's no way I'm going to let my little brother be better than me. Uh, and then I just taught myself like a, a, two years later, I was like, okay, I know these three chords. Let's try and learn from there. And yeah. so since then, I, everything I've ever learned, like musically, uh, like on an instrument, has all been by myself. And so when you went to this program, like you're in Norway and then mm -hmm. India, like were you kind of responsible for teaching like music and art once you no, ended we up there? No, we were, when we went overseas, when we were in India, um, we were doing. Basically, what we were doing was teaching English in a lot of, like, small schools. Okay. And we would try and find, like, create, like, really, like, elementary. I think the oldest kids we were, like, teaching might have been, like, 14 or 16. And those were rough sessions. Teaching a 14-year-old stuff, that is not fun. Uh, but then, you know, we'd go into, like, a preschool or something, and we would just try and teach them. Or a lot of times they already had, like, basic English, like, understanding. And so we'd be like, hey, like, express yourself through art and try and do different creative things through that. But when I was in Norway, we didn't really do a whole lot of that. I think at one point we went to like this elementary school in Norway. Yeah, we did. Um, and like had some kind of like artistic, like uh, project that we did with them. But mostly I was just there hanging out and doing stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On my own with the people in that community. So the family that you do have like in America right now is you're saying based in Montana mostly. Or? I have family all over America right now. I have, uh, my older brother, John lives here. Um, my older sister, Sheree and her husband and their two children live here. And then I have a brother who's married down in Texas. And then my kid brother lives up in Montana. Yep. And then I have my younger sister. Like all of all of us kids are basically moving up here to the states. Mm -hmm. My younger sister is uh, studying in Arkansas. Oh yeah. So what brought you specifically to the Kansas City area? What brought me to Kansas City was I decided that yes, I will do this music thing. I had like a scholarship and like had been accepted to like this school, and I was gonna and you know do fine art and whatnot, but. After I got back from Norway, I had, like, another, like, summer before I would start that. And so I was like, well, I could choose to do this or I could just do music instead because I really got hooked on the concept of, like, doing music in Norway. And so, yeah, based just ended up deciding that I'd rather do that. And at that point, I was still very much kind of enamored with the, the idea of working in, like, a Christian setting and whatnot, since that's like just how I was raised. And so I came to Missouri specifically because of IHOP, you know, 
the the prayer room that they have and whatnot. So they've got like a little like kind of university. It's not accredited or anything, but like if I'm studying music, like I'm not going to go to like some expensive place like Full Sail or something like. And so they had a track or a program that was studio stuff. And so I was like, that seems as good as place as I need to like get started. And so I did that for a year, then dropped out, but kept on because I was like, I'm going to work full time. I don't have any money. I don't want to be mooching off of my parents. So I started working full time, did another year where I was just basically private tutoring under the same professor that I had, and then just stopped that as well because of schedule differences. And since then, I've been on my own just recording in my basement or wherever I'm at. Nice. Uh, so what was the first, like, uh, music release that you put out yourself who okay <clears throat> at some point I think I was probably 14 or 15 I came up to the states to visit my mom's extended family not even extended just like my grandpa and my aunt and uncle my uncles who live up in Minnesota and my uncle is a really cool person, has like shelves full of like CDs, and I knew that he listened to metal. And at that point, you know, I'm entering my teens, I'm trying to like discover what the heck is going on, and I'm like, Uncle Josh, like, I want to listen to like metal, can you give me some stuff? And so he gave me a flash drive with a bunch of stuff on it. So from there, I got into thrash, skipped over the entire like, uh, metalcore thing he just like put me straight into thrash and then I wanted to get as edgy as possible which led me to black metal but to take it one step further which is extra edgy and extra cringy I wasn't about pirating stuff and so it was only free downloads that I could find I didn't know about Bandcamp at this point yeah. um, and it had to be Christian because you know I'm not about that satanic stuff at that point anyway <laughs> and so I listened to that for basically like two years straight, just whatever I could find online. I'm like, is these there obscure, some... I'm going somewhere. Ooh, okay. And so, of course, I was like, I want to write black metal. <laughs> really terrible Christian black metal. <laughs> Unblack metal. Um, and so the first recordings that I ever did were... It was a black metal like demo with no drums in it at all. It was just guitar and vocals. It exists online. I only I know where to find it. <laughs> Sometimes I go back and listen to it. But that's the first thing that I ever like put out. I didn't know about Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so all these forums that I was going to, they would literally just post like media fire links or like zip folders. And so that's what I did. And I posted it to like a couple of forums and that was like all that ever happened. Like literally even like two months later, I realized this was garbage and like deleted most of the places I had posted it, but Mm -hmm. I still have the media, the media fire like account is still up and running. So that was the first thing I ever did. Nice. Is is there any like is how how big of a community is there for Christian black metal? There is a big community for it. Yeah. Um, is is there some like solid stuff out there that people will just like not talk um, about? When it comes to like raw black metal, 
which is mostly what I would like to listen to now. I guess I do listen to like some atmospheric black metal. I mo- I hardly listen to most of that these days at all. Um, raw black metal, there's not really a whole lot that I would really like listen to now. But there is definitely, especially in like Europe, there's like a community around it. Um, I, of course, it's not like huge. It's like black metals you know a whole lot more marketable now but it's still kind of niche Mm. and so like a christian aspect to that is like even more so like but there's some cool like christian black metal bands out there um some would say like the first unblack metal album ever released was this band called horde and so while all this stir was going up overseas and like Norway and whatnot about oh satanic black metal musicians are burning down churches and stuff and so of course Horde was like or the person behind Horde was like well we can make this but Christian and so he put that out in like 94 which was on a lot I think that was in 94 it might have been a little bit later so ever since then there's always been like Christian like artists doing stuff Um, a lot of them are kind of cringy um, but there's a band called Drotnar. They're super sick. They're kind of like a militant military aspect kind of stuff. They'd like bring megaphones and stuff and they dress in like Soviet era, like costumes and shit when they do their shows. It's pretty neat. Huh. Um, but I can't, I, I've not been keeping on top of any of that. Like Drotnar is like. Maybe the one band that I can like see myself listening to now from that like stage. Send us all of your best uh, Christian black metal <laughs> recommendations in the comments. Uh, we'll be we'll be looking for them. No, that's great. Uh, that's not an education I knew I was gonna be getting today. So I could go on. <laughs> like I was heavy into black metal. Yeah. Like I still have a file full of like just Christian black metal that's on my computer that I never listened to, and I got in. I was like, ooh wikipedia and just from there like went through like the entire like third wave and like studied everything and read all the articles and like found out about all these outlandish characters doing like (laughs) terrible terrible things so i maybe you should put together a mixtape or something all all the best tracks from that folder you can (laughs) that it'd be fun to listen to like i would definitely find it entertaining to listen to and go back to listen to but Mm. There's just other stuff I'd rather listen to right now. I don't blame you. Uh, so is OK O'Clock kind of the next like music project that you had? Or was there something previous um, to that? <clears throat> kind of. So being the edgy 18, 19-year-old that I was and going overseas for the first time, experiencing culture shock of, wow, there's white people everywhere. And, you know, leaving your home and all of that kind of stuff and not all of that kind of made me write this five song like EP or demo. It was going to be super like it's weird because after I got out of black metal, I went almost straight into like baby's first punk records like Zebrahead, Rise Against and from there, like, surprisingly enough, I started listening to, like, pop punk, which is what got me into emo. Mm-hmm. So this never really had a name, but I wrote, like, a five-song, like, 
EP about the experience of like leaving home and like encountering all these cool people, but like being kind of uh, resigned because I'm only going to be here for nine months. Like I don't want to invest in friendships because I didn't know better then. Mm. The most important thing I learned from that period was, hey, just like hang out with the people you're with, have a good time. So that's what came out of that. Um, I did put that out. That was definitely the second thing I like released. Um, it's very terrible. I didn't know how to sing at that point. I had just started listening to pop punk. And so I'm doing these very, 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 very whiny vocals. And, you know, I'm 19 this, I haven't written a whole lot of stuff before then. So it's not my proud, my proudest moment, but that would be the second, uh, release that I ever put out. And I guess that kind of, no, I wouldn't even say kind of, that's just like, it's its own completely different thing. Yeah. And then from that, then OK O'Clock was definitely the next thing that was like actual releases. Mm. But um, in that like time period, ever since like I started, I got my own rig, a microphone, an interface, my computer, and started recording stuff in like 2000, <clears throat> summer 2012 or so. No, 13. And so I've messed with a lot of, oh no, I take that back. Yeah, there's one other release. It's a. Uh, I was still. I was still kind of trying to keep my grasp on my black metal roots, mm. and so. But I didn't know how to play guitar. I thought that tremolo took a whole lot more skill than it does, and I didn't really know. That was when I started teaching myself drums, and so I. I put out this really weird. It's actually very kind of avant-garde, like black metal-ish, sludgy, doom, terrible recording-like project. That that was the first thing I ever put on Bandcamp, I believe. Mm. So that project was called Luciferous because I was like, that's edgy. <laughs> and it means to cast light upon. So I was like, that's also wholesome. <laughs> um, but I haven't done anything with that since then. And that project kind of turned into my doom project that i have it's another one man band called bloom spelt with two v's and i like that project a lot but that's i cannibalized that Bandcamp account just changed the name and everything and used it for that mm-hmm. um so then after that then comes okay o'clock wow i'm <laughs> it's a journey this is taking me back like i've done there are so many like one-off projects yeah and even more one-off songs of just... Because I was telling you earlier, I try to listen to a lot of different stuff because I really want to write a lot of different stuff and experiment with a lot of different genres and whatnot. And I'm finally getting to a point like uh, where my skills instrumentally, like with guitar, with drums, are getting to a point where I can actually do that. And so that's really neat, but time is getting shorter. Oh, yeah, it's exciting to be able to kind of come to the point where you can kind of create the stuff that mm. you know you'd you'd wanted to for years and yeah so yeah you gotta take take full advantage of that yeah at some point i'll probably go back and do some super raw like black metal recording i've helped kennedy out with a couple tracks nice. i think we've got two demos i we don't have vocals for them yet or kennedy doesn't because i'm not really part of that project cholera is the only kennedy project that i'm with right now except for tremenda venganza that's also yeah. Another collab between us. Um, but yeah, I could totally do that now. Yeah, I could just sit down. It wouldn't be well thought out. 
it would sound neat though. I love having. I've got a drum kit in my basement. I've got all my band, my amps and guitars and whatnot, my recording gear. I can literally go down into my basement for a day and come out with a demo. Like last Saturday, um, I recorded a three-song demo for iPhone XXX. So rest in peace. I recorded that because I was like, we still have these songs. Someone which record should record them and put them out because they're they're fun. It, it's like record it and get it out online so that we can look back, you know, later instead of not having any recordings except for like really terrible cell phone recordings. Yeah, I always so, think it's kind of a shame when a band never even puts out a demo. So yeah, always. But yeah, Carrie recorded the vocals for that uh, a couple days ago, so it's almost ready to go. I'm just going to mix a couple things a tad bit different, but I recorded those three songs literally in one afternoon and like played everything because everyone else was busy, and it had been a long time since anyone had played those songs. It's been like, what, a year? Yeah. And so like, that's super fun to be able to do that, mm-hmm. to just go downstairs and write and be creative and work on different stuff. Yeah. So... How, how did the, well, was it the split EP you did with Ethan first or was it, or was there that first OK O'Clock uh, release that came I first? I think it was that split. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So when I finally decided to make OK O'Clock a thing was when I went on my first tour with Grayson whom I live with. Grayson had been telling me, Lance, we should go on tour. Like, I'm going on tour. Like, you should come with me. And at that point, I had kind of drifted away from the concept. And it's funny, I've come back to that now, but away from the concept. At that point, I was imagining myself more of just a recording engineer and just a music as like a tiny thing I would do on the side. Um, but at that point I was like, you know what, I'm going to try and just focus on writing more music instead of studying this anymore. Cause at that, that was the point where I was like, okay, do I try and make like the schedule with my tutor work or do I just, you know, do it all myself from here and, you know, take what I've learned and just build as best I can on it. And so that was the point where I was like, yeah, we're going to start writing music and I'm going to write a project and like actually have something that I can release that I'm proud about. Because before then, like, everything that I had put out, I would put them out, and then the next day I'd be like, this is bad. But I'd leave them online, at least. Mm -hmm. So some of them are still there. I've got a noise trade account that I put that first one, that first kind of really terrible pop punk. It still exists on noise trade. If you do enough digging... (laughs) then you can find stuff that's really embarrassing. But I leave it there because if you dig enough, then you deserve to hear that. But yeah, So, um, oh yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just going all over the place. Oh, um, yeah, that was the point when I was like, okay, okay, o'clock. And so I sat down. And was, was Grayson just touring solo? Yeah, or? Grayson yeah. was still doing his, uh, his solo spoken word stuff at that point. And so on that tour that I did, only like, two, maybe three of the songs because I had been kept on writing stuff and I was kind of almost gunning for more of like um, an ambient folk kind of vibe. 
before I just realized I wanted to write songs about, you know, kind of more in the emo style of tongue in cheek, like almost self deprecating, but like, you know, there's issues and just approaching them in like a different way than, oh, girls and high school drama. Um, so that's when I started writing stuff specifically and kind of had a vision for like a concept record and almost everything that I write is conceptual in some kind of way or another. It either has to do with a story that a lot of it actually is like just whatever I'm going through and I try and like piece everything together so that it's okay. It's a cohesive listen, um, for like anyone who's listening to it and Okay O'Clock especially is that way. Um, but yeah, put out that first record, that first Okay O'Clock record, I think two years ago or so, and immediately started trying to write the next one. And I had all that one written like a year before it came out, like in January this year, but I just sat on it and like tweaked things here and there. And then finally around the last quarter of last year, really started working on full band arrangements for it because I realized I need to put this out. So that's that's the history of OK O'Clock. Oh, yeah, and I, I wrote down like... Um in the like you, you said in the notes on the the Bandcamp page for uh, the most recent album that it's like it's you wanted it to be a story but you don't know how it ends yet and then yeah. also on yeah like you like you said it both of the albums are kind of like on the kind of conceptual ish mm-hmm. like what what do you think kind of like draws you to wanting to write in that style most of it is. <clears throat> Probably just, I like a good story. I grew up reading a lot of books as a kid. As a kid, not plural. And I've just been, like, story-driven. I've always appreciated, like, arcs and whatnot. And I guess it was, I don't know why I decided to, I guess it just made sense. Because the very first project, I guess... The first project was like that Black Metal EP and then the other one that shall not be named. And then the other one, the pop punk one, which shall all shall not be named, just happened. That last one, the pop punk one, just happened to be specifically a way for me to like process like what I was going through and how I felt. And it it just took the, the, the shape of like a concept record. I'm not sure if I had like any like records that I've been listening to before then where I was like, wow, this is a record about something and I wanted to emulate that. I'm trying to think. I don't know. But since then, I've, yeah, I like it. And it's definitely always a way for me to like process the different things that are going on, whether that be like something spiritual or things that my friends are going through, things that I see like random people going through. A lot of both records has been an amalgamation of where I'm at mixed with what I see my friends going through and some specific like lines and songs and stanzas are like just random people that I see like at a party or, or, you know, online a lot of times is, you know, I'll be following someone that I don't know very well and they'll like post something and I'm like, this captures an emotion And so I take a lot of inspiration from different places, but being able to like, I just like the concept of 
you know, listening through the record all the way through and going through a range of emotions and hopefully identifying with it. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm not sure if that answered the question really. Oh yeah. And, um, the, the title track on the new album, parental guidance Mm -hmm. kind of stuck out to me. Like it, I don't know. I think there's a lot of kind of imagery and stuff on there that isn't super tip, super typical of like, a lot of emo songs and stuff that I hear. So yeah. like what what kind of inspired that song and made you want to choose that as the title track? Over the last like several years, you know, because I was raised Christian, I've been kind of realizing, you know, whatever way like you were that you are raised, <clears throat> whether it be Christian, whether it be one way or another, you're you're basically brainwashed by your parents. And there gets to a point where you have to, you know, discover yourself and see what you are about and if you actually believe what they believe, yada, yada, yada. And so for the past, like, several years, it's been an ongoing thing. I went through a phase in, like, my teenage years where I was like, I'm not sure about all this, but a lot of the past, the first record also has, like, religious themes and topics in it as well. But this song specifically and the name, like, Parental Guidance kind of tries to address the concept of is there free will like does god care for us like all this much like how how does this work and is he a loving god does you know and it's it can be a very touchy topic for a lot of different people but i think that it needs to be explored more like religion and spirituality doesn't I guess it's coming out a little bit more in like this um, this new like wave of emo that we have, but it's yeah, it's just something that I've been going through and trying to figure out like do I believe this? What are the things that I don't like? What are the things that I do? And so a lot of the ending of it basically sums up where I'm at right now of hey, I believe Jesus is a great person and I'm trying to be like that. Um, and life is worth living. That's kind of the summation of the whole record. The track that comes right before it, like literally is, is a very angry song or disappointed, I, I guess, song about God and being like, Hey, this, you're not doing so hot here. You're either being really like careless and negligent or you're just flat out dumb. And so I'm still trying to come to grips with a lot of those, but I thought it, yeah, after I I pieced a lot of parts together, came up with the first draft of the record, touched up on a couple of things, and I figured that was a, a good, like, story arc for what it had in there. Yeah. So. And um, I haven't, I don't think I've listened to the whole EP yet, but I know you've also been playing with Grayson in Garden Club. Yep. And I know, like, that EP also has a lot of, like, religious themes going on, too. Grayson has advanced a whole lot faster uh, than I have. So he has a whole lot more specific ideas that he's very recently, like, come to that I would, you know, you'd have to have your own conversation with him about those. Mm. Um, But, yeah, Garden Club is super fun to play with. Like, it's so good to have Bailey, like, playing with us. She's an excellent musician. And, yeah, Grayson's is a very, just a very fun person and writes and tries to write very thoughtfully. And so 
I'm super stoked to see what we come out with next and like what, what Grayson's writing. Yeah, because you, you kind of just recently became part of the live band, or have you been playing live? Yeah, we've been Club? playing. I wrote uh, last year in like June, Grayson approached me and was like, Lance, I've got these four songs, these four poems. Because yeah, you, wanna... you, you produced yeah. the, the release, yeah. He was like, do you want to put music over it? And I was like, hell yes. And he was like, when do you want it done? He was like, July. And so I had a month to just toss together like four songs. It came out really good. It's even better now that, because they weren't very fleshed out. It was literally just kind of background music for Grayson. But since we've added Bailey to the mix and Ethan on bass, we've actually been feeling more like a band instead of like just background music. And that's going to change so much as soon as we start writing new material, which we kind of have. We've got a couple like song ideas, like demos. Um, but the sound is going to change a bit and <clears throat> it's not going to re it's going to be much, the music is going to be much more, I guess, interactive with like what Grayson is like doing over it mm-hmm. instead of just being like background. Yeah, and you also said just the other day you played your first show live with Big Cola, which yes. is a, a, a recording project you'd had and kind of released through the OK O'Clock band camp. Yeah, I just tossed that. I didn't want to make... At that point, I wasn't aware that you can make several band camp accounts with one email. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't want... I've only got three band camp like, emails. I only have three email accounts. I don't want to make another one. So I'm just tossing this up on like the OK O'Clock like Bandcamp because it's basically both of those projects I've recorded and played all of the instruments, and so it's like it's it's different. It's like more jangle pop indie like kind of shoegazy slowcore sometimes, but I was like it's still like me. But I'm about to put that stuff on Spotify and all the other streaming services, and once I do, then I'll take it off of Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. But I know some people have been confused about that. Oh yeah, I was just but, curious. Yeah, technically, that's Big Cola is when I do put it on Spotify, it's going to be released through Ivy League Productions, which is um, Grayson's like kind of label that we're kind of running. Nice. So Garden Club. OK O'Clock, Big Cola, um, Budget Motel, which is Ethan's band that I play drums in. And we've got a couple other friends that, you know, the next like record they're going to put out, it's going to be on Ivy League, like nice. DIY. So, Oh, yeah, and I did kind of want to ask you about the kind of creative partnership you have with Ethan because, you got, yeah, you guys did that split together like a few yeah. years back and play – like well, it, uh, like Ethan writes the songs for Budget Motel. You write the songs for OK O'Clock, but you yep. play in each other's bands. So yeah, what, um, what makes Ethan such a good creative partner? Ethan is just a sweetheart and fun to be around. I've been living with Ethan in one house, and because we lived in Parker One for a hot second for like a year, and before that, he was just always around the house because he was Grayson's friend before he was mine. So when I became friends with Grayson, when Grayson moved into the house that I was living in, then Ethan was always hanging out. And so got to know him. I was about to go on tour, and I was like, I want to put out something before we go on tour so I can have something online. And Ethan was like, well, we should put out a split because, yeah, why not? And so we did. Um, and then, like, it was only... 
the first like couple okay o'clock shows did not include ethan on on bass because i didn't know that ethan played bass at that point i was trying to like scrounge up like among other like friends that i had but it just made sense to have ethan on bass because you know he plays bass and number one he's ethan i love him to death and yeah i i think it was at it was like at one point I was talking with Grayson and I was like frustrated about not having like members that were just committed to like, okay, o'clock and gray was like, you should just ask Ethan to play bass. I know he's down. He would totally do that. And I hadn't considered that before. And so when gray said that, I was like, I never thought of that. And so Ethan's been on board since then. And so we've played a couple of shows with a different drummer, but now we have our actual drummer, Andrew, who again, like I've, when it comes to OK O'Clock, all I really want, I don't want you to be like a crazy talented musician or anything. I just want you to like be about the band, like, hey, let's go on tour, let's play like shows. And I didn't have that from the pseudo members that were playing with me beforehand. So, yeah. And then, yeah, when Ethan decided that he wanted to take... Um, his project, like full band, it only made sense for me to play drums too. And so, yeah. Nice. And um, I guess I was a little curious also about Tremenda Venganza, which mm-hmm. is uh, your new punk and DB uh, project. You released the EP, like you recorded it all yourself last year. Yeah, I tracked and, that all around this time last year. And now you have a, a full band together. Now I have a full band. I've got Mitch on bass and Ethan Payton on drums and Kennedy on guitar and I'm just fronting it up which I've always wanted to do so it's gonna be crazy good first show on the 23rd oh yeah and what uh what would you say inspired like a lot of the like the writing on it because I know like you wrote in the on the band camp uh Nicaragua Pais Corrupto corrupto. so a country corrupt strangely enough like I am somewhat apathetic when it comes to a lot of U.S. like politics, Mm. like, um, don't really feel the urge. I don't know. It's just weird. I didn't grow up here, you know. Yep. But there's been a lot of just dumbass stuff going on down in Nicaragua, especially around the time that I wrote that. There, yeah, the government there is absolutely corrupt. Like the last several like elections that they've had have been rampant fraud. Like the president should wasn't even allowed to run for like the third time. <clears throat> and so I just got really pissed off because there had been like peaceful protests. This all kind of came to a head when a lot of like the social security stuff for like old folks like were, was just done away with, if I understand correctly. And so a lot of peaceful protesting started happening around that time that I was writing that. And throughout that summer, I think over 200 people were like shot and killed or just disappeared uh, because of like all these different like peaceful protests and stuff that were going on. And so, yeah, if I had been down there, I would, I would be out in the streets protesting. Like I'm much more of just a target, I guess, cause I'm so I'm white. I'm going to be much more noticeable than I would be like up here. You know, people get maced and are like tear gassed or whatever when they're at protests, but down there, I feel like I definitely have a target on my back, but I actually care about that place. You know, it's weird. I don't know why it's probably just cause I was raised there and you know, that yep. emotional like connect, I guess, but yeah, it makes sense. Yep. 
do you do you still like do you keep keep in touch with a lot of people who are down there still or yeah every now and again it's it's difficult because you know you're just living your own life and I didn't really have a whole lot of of like friends um the ones that I did have were like older than me or were like my older brother's friends that I would just hang out with because I was way too like shy and introverted to like meet my own friends I guess mm. um and yeah, I talk with them occasionally, and we've actually worked on music together. I've like recorded a couple projects when I've been down there, like a song here and a song there for different friends. And I had, yeah, to take it all back, that first, I had written out that pop punk EP, and then I was like talking with like several of the people who I used to play with in like that youth group band. They're all like crazy talented musicians, and they were like, Lance, like, do you want to work on anything while you're down here? And I was like, I've got this written. It's only acoustic, but you guys like try and take it as full band as you can. So, yeah, they're they're great people. I need to go back and visit because it's been several years. But yeah, it's just working through, you know, getting work figured out, having the money to buy a plane ticket, yep. getting down there. So I'm gonna try and do that like next year, probably at the very latest. Nice. Um, but yeah, I think that's about all I wanted to ask you. Uh, what should, like, where can people find all your music? Where should they follow you and all that stuff? Um, I guess if you want to find my music, the, um, there's just so much of it. Anything that I put out is going to be on Instagram. I'm going to post about it on Instagram and I'm just okay o'clock. No spaces, no like punctuation marks, no nothing on Instagram. And I put out a lot of different stuff. Like I had a SoundCloud project, like emo rap project that I put out a couple, like a month ago or something. There's always stuff that I'm working on. And if, if I ever put something on Bandcamp, it's going to show up there. If you ever, if I'm ever playing a show, I'm going to post about it there. I don't really do Facebook a whole lot. It's mostly just for like Facebook Messenger or like keeping up with sh- like shows and events. So mm. sweet, uh, but yeah. And people can follow at Shuttlecock Mag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Visit shuttlecockmusic.com for all the articles. Uh, Shuttlecockmag.bigcartel.com for photozines, t-shirts, and buttons you can buy. Um, we have shows coming up uh, with. Uh, on the 21st, there's a show with uh, Nanami Ozone, Tears on Tape, Youth Pool, and Oxford Remedy at Revolution Records. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we have Jackal playing at Middle East on June 4th. Um, oh, uh, Tremenda Venganza is playing. On the 23rd, with- Middle East. Yeah, Public no. Acid. <clears throat> oh, yeah, there's that one too. Uh, I was no, going to say There's that another local on there. I forget who it is. Is uh, Speed on that one? Yes, Speed. Yeah. That'll be cool. And you guys are also playing with Creeping Death and Fuming yep. Mouth and Hammerhead at Sister Anne's mm-hmm. on June 22nd, I believe. And then, like, the Mother Vengeance has also got, I think, <clears throat> we've got a show June 12th, I think. Yeah, with Hellish View. I think that's also, I'm not sure if Noah Hayes has, like, got uh, a place for that yet, but yeah. Hellish View, great, raw, D-beat punk. I think it's going to be at Middle East. Not confirmed yet, but yeah, I think that's the 12th. Sweet. Uh, Yeah, thanks for being on the show today. For sure.